The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Window Nation is the presenting sponsor of this podcast. Call them at 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com. Mention my name. You'll get a free estimate. They'll take very good care of you. My apologies for getting the podcast out later than usual on this Friday, October 27th. I had a personal uh, matter that I had to be a part of. Jay Gruden will be with us. He is with us every Friday during football season. That is next segment. We will go back to last week. Look, an offensive head coach in this league, I think we want not only his opinion of what he saw last week in the first half, but a solution. Uh, So I will effort to get uh, both kind of a recap of what he saw in one of the most inept offensive halves of the season and get a solution. We'll also get his preview and pick of the Philadelphia game. Some NFL talk as well, including his NFL lock of the week. My smell test to finish up the show, uh, 10-2-1 last week. If you haven't rated or reviewed the show, it really is helpful if you do it on Apple and Spotify. Apple allows you to give us five stars and write a quick one-to-two-sentence review means the world. If you'll do it, I appreciate all of you that have uh, done it. Uh, My uh, keys to a win and my prediction coming up in just a few minutes. I did want to give a quick shout out to Virginia Tech. They're not a local team, but there are a lot of people that listen to this podcast that are Hokies. They annihilated Syracuse last night, 38 to 10. They're four and four overall. But they're 3-1 and one in the ACC with a schedule that actually has them, I think, in contention for an ACC championship. They've won three out of their last four. The only loss came to Florida State. Uh, they were uh, in a tough game with Florida State into the second half. At one point, it was a five-point game in the third quarter. They've played very well offensively. They're able to score. They have Louisville next week. If they were to somehow get that game... They would be favored, I think, in their final three games, and that could put them at 8-4 and four, and in a tie, worst case, for second in the ACC with their only loss being to Florida State, the team that looks like they'll finish first. I don't know. I have no idea if you Hokie fans actually think there's a chance to compete for an ACC title, but they're playing better, and I think college football is better 
when Blacksburg is buzzing with a really good football team. Uh, Look, you guys are passionate about your college football team. My alma mater, Maryland, we're a basketball first school. And I mentioned two weeks ago before they played Illinois on this podcast, beware this game is a danger game for Maryland. I actually think the Terps have a tough game, a tougher than you would imagine game tomorrow in Evanston against Northwestern. Uh, Fingers crossed, because if they can get that one, they've got Penn State next week at home, and it'll feel like a slightly bigger game. Uh, If you're tuning in here for World Series analysis, just go back to yesterday's show. Tommy gave his thoughts on the World Series. My sense is a lot of you might be into the World Series, but aren't exactly tuning into this show for analysis or a preview of it. I like Texas in six. I'll give you that. This email uh, from Adam in Rockville. Adam wrote to me, uh, he was very Sabah-esque in his um, praise and his devout uh, fandom of Taylor Heineke. But I'll just give you the last uh, sentence, which was a question um, in his email. By the way, you can email me at thekevinsheehanshow.com. You can tweet me at Kevin Sheehan DC. But Adam, after waxing poetic about Taylor Heineke, just finally said, Kevin, is there really a difference between Sam Howell and Taylor Heineke? Thank you, Adam. I appreciate it. Yes, there's a difference. Taylor Heineke is an NFL backup quarterback. Sam Howell might be an NFL quarter, a backup quarterback, but we don't know yet for sure. And the reason for that is Sam has an NFL arm and Taylor doesn't. Adam wrote about, you know, Taylor's uh, processing speed, his throwing with anticipation. It was a very good email. And you're right. Taylor had played in the same offense with Scott Turner and his father, Norv, in Carolina. He was familiar with the offense. He didn't need to learn a new offense. He was a veteran quarterback that had, you know, a few starts when he got here, but by the time we got to last year, had several starts. And he's ahead of Sam with the mental part of the game. But Sam's got an NFL arm, and Taylor doesn't. Taylor will never be a 17-game starter for a team that aspires to be a contender in the NFL. He just doesn't have that ability. He can start games in a pinch. You know, he can do what Colt McCoy did here. He can do what what, uh, some of the really good backups in the league have done. He didn't get a chance to start for an NFL team He got signed by a team that was committed to playing a younger, more inexperienced quarterback in Desmond Ritter. And he hasn't supplanted Ritter as of now. Uh, Sam can make every NFL throw, Adam. You should see that. I mean, I, I think most people can see that. I know that you love Taylor Heineke, and there's a lot about Taylor Heineke that we all loved. Sam Howell, to me, is far from a lock to be a legitimate starting NFL quarterback. In fact, I I would not wager on that. But he's got an NFL arm and the rest of the stuff that he doesn't do well, they're going to give him some time, we think, to see if he can improve in those areas. Um, That's the big difference, though. Uh, Real quickly, before I get to my keys to a win over Philadelphia and a pick, 
Washington hired Eugene Chen yesterday as their senior vice president of football strategy. He's going to oversee analytics and software development for the football operation. There's a quote from him in the news release, press release from the team. Also, one quote from one person associated with the team, and that was Ron Rivera. He's reporting to Ron Rivera. Let me just start with this. I love that Josh Harris and other people in the organization weren't quoted in this press release. I love that the current head of the football operation was the quote. If you've noticed since the season started, we don't have, I mean, magic tweets, but we don't have a lot of Josh Harris quotes. We don't have a lot of owner quotes. We don't have a lot of Jason Wright quotes on football stuff. Now, with business stuff, that's totally appropriate. I think they've gotten the message that there were just too many people communicating football stuff and that fans, whether they want Ron Rivera to speak on football matters or not, understood that's an issue. But he is the current football head. So this kind of an uh, of of announcement of you know uh, of a new hire for the football operation should be a Ron Rivera announcement, or at least the quote in there from Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera said, "Bringing Eugene's level of exper- expertise to lead our analytics and software development enables us to build on our data capabilities to help inform decision making." Eugene brings a great deal of practical NFL experience, and we look forward to bringing him into our conversations about the vision of our team going forward. The willingness of our of our ownership group to follow through on their pledge to allocate resources to data and analytics is exciting for the future of the franchise. Shen said, quote, it's an exciting time to be joining this legendary franchise. I look forward to working with Coach Rivera in the front office to help shape the vision of the franchise going forward. By the way, he's got an MBA from MIT and a bachelor's degree from Harvard. He worked with Baltimore for six years, the Dolphins for three years, and Jacksonville for two years. He is not the general manager, for those of you that think the lofty title means that he's the head of the football operation, senior vice president of football strategy. It's an analytics software development uh, position that I would assume – Josh Harris um, probably had someone say, this is a bright mind, this is a bright analytics, data-driven mind, you want him in your organization, hire him now. So, he's not the general manager, okay, but this hire is a clear indication of what I think we've all thought for a while, which is why I don't think Ron Rivera or Martin Mayhew or Marty Herney has much of a future in the organization. This is the guy, remember, who hired Sam Hinkie to run the Philadelphia 76ers and initiate the tanking process that led to horrible years followed by lots of draft choices and eventually multiple 50-plus win seasons. Daryl Morey is his current general manager. These are two gentlemen who are data-driven, analytics-driven. I have no idea if Eugene Chen's going to become a significant figure in this organization. I do know that 
this is an indication or confirmation of the kind of people that Josh Harris wants in his front office. He wants smart, data-driven analytics people. Whoever he hires to be the president of football operations slash general manager or senior vice president of football operations slash general manager is going to be of that ilk. And so... Get ready for it. It's coming. The current group is not going to run your football team starting sometime in mid to late January of 2024. Eugene Shen is the first hire in that general direction of the kind of hires that Josh Harris is going to make. Uh, This guy's not just being hired to tell the head coach when to go for two or when to go for it on fourth down. It has a lot to do with all of the data that's collected from players both in college and in pro that leads to more informed decisions when it comes to things like roster construction, when it comes to things like health and sports science. These are the kinds of guys Josh Harris wants in the organization. Let's face it, Ron doesn't even know what analytics really are. He's not a data-driven head coach. He's an old-school head coach. Remember when he talked about analytics after the Chicago game last year when he was saying, we did all the analytics on Carson Wentz? I don't even think he knew what it meant. By the way, if he had really done a lot of uh, um, uh, data-driven due diligence on Carson Wentz, he may have decided no on him and instead signed Tyrod Taylor. I was thinking about that the other day. Like, Tyrod Taylor would have been a perfect fit for the team last year. Perfect fit. And maybe a perfect fit for the team this year. I digress. Uh, Eugene Shen, the first of what I think will be many hires, where when you read the guy's resume, he's been in sports analytics, he went to MIT, he went to Harvard, he went to Wharton, wherever. Going to be a lot of those guys around. Get ready for it. All right. Uh, keys to beating Philadelphia. Number one, this I think is going to be on the list of keys to beating anybody the rest of the year uh, until they fix it. You've got to protect the quarterback, period. 40 sacks, seven games. Um, It just can't continue. There are lots of ways to protect the quarterback. We've talked a lot about them this week. You've got to go to more quick game three-step drop. You've got to go to more sprint and dash, getting him out of the pocket. You've got to go to more screens, traditional and otherwise, bubbles, etc. You've got to get the ball out of the quarterback's hands quickly. At this point, whether it's the O-line, the quarterback, or the offensive coordinator, it doesn't matter. Dropbacks are a problem, and if you're going to drop back, do it early down, under center, seven-man protect, maybe eight-man protect with two in the route, play action and see if you can get something big that way. The constant drop back last week and this year, we know that more times than not it doesn't work and it's ending too often in negative plays. This is on Eric Bieniemy. It's on Sam to be better at the line of scrimmage with his protection calls. It's on Sam to stop holding on to it as long as he has. And it's definitely on the offensive line too. But if you know you've got an O-line problem and you've got a quarterback problem, you've got to minimize the amount of times that he's put and the offense is put in harm's way. 
protect the quarterback, and you have a chance to beat Philadelphia. Number two, feed Terry. He had one target in the first half. He's had some of the biggest games of his career against the Eagles. I think Philadelphia can be attacked through the air with the quick game. I think their soft spot is their secondary. We saw it the first go-round. Feed Terry McLaurin. By the way, um, as part of the protect the quarterback, feeding Terry quickly is part of the answer. I don't know if running the football is the answer this week against Philadelphia. I do know that Philadelphia has the number one rush defense in the NFL, averaging uh, just 62.9 yards against. But Washington of Philadelphia's seven opponents was the only one to rush for more than 100 yards. It wasn't a productive day running the football, although Brian Robinson Jr. had a couple of good carries. Every team that Philadelphia has faced, listen to this, New England, 76 yards rushing, Minnesota, 28 yards rushing, Tampa Bay, 41 yards rushing, the Rams, 54 yards rushing, the Jets, 89 yards rushing, and the Dolphins, 45 yards rushing last Sunday night. Nobody can run the football against Jordan Davis, Jalen Carter, Fletcher Cox, etc. Nobody can. Washington had 107 yards rushing. Remember, that was a game in which they were coming off that Buffalo game, and I think Ron said, you got to at least try to run the football. If we can run it a little bit, at least he's not going to get sacked on those plays. And they ran it a little bit. Not a lot. Some of those yards were Sam Scramble yards. Um, I just don't see the run game being super productive, but I'm not against trying it to the extent that they did the first time. By the way, it might be Chris Rodriguez who gets the carries. So number one, protect the quarterback. Part of that would be maybe trying to run the football a little bit. Feed Terry's number two. Defensively, I want them to blitz Jalen Hurts. I want them to get after Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts, to me, watching Philadelphia the last few weeks, just doesn't look healthy. I know they're saying he's healthy, and he's had a couple of big games rushing the football. I thought Sunday night he looked slow, he looked hurt, and he's put it up for grabs a couple of times in recent weeks. I think pressuring Jalen Hurts and being less concerned about containing him in the pocket, you know, he's so dangerous if he gets outside the pocket. Let's just see what happens if we send extra man pressure after him. Let's see if he can get if he can escape it. He's been great at that throughout his career, his young career. But he just doesn't look right to me. Lastly, you got to play a clean game. I know that this is going to be part of the, you know, cliched keys to a game. Um, you can't turn it over against Philadelphia, which they didn't the first time. You can't have a lot of penalties like you had last week against the Giants. Uh, it's got to be a clean football game. You know, last time the Eagles didn't turn it over, but they did have 11 penalties for a lot of yardage against Washington. So ultimately, you know, uh, Philadelphia played a less clean game than Washington did. Do you need plus two or more in the turnover uh, margin? Maybe. They didn't the first time, but maybe you need it on Sunday. I think they've got a chance. I think they've got a chance in this game. Simply because recent impressions usually don't mean much. And Washington was awful, and Philadelphia beat Miami. And Philadelphia has a, just an unbelievable schedule upcoming after Washington. 
I think I mentioned this with Tommy yesterday, but they play the Cowboys next week, the Chiefs two weeks after that after a bye week, the Bills, the 49ers, the Cowboys, and the Seahawks again. How about that six-game stretch for Philadelphia after the game against Washington on Sunday? Dallas, KC, Buffalo, San Francisco, Dallas, Seattle. So if they lose and they're 5-3 and three going into that stretch – or maybe they're looking past Washington, assuming they'll be 6-2, and two, looking at that stretch. I don't know. I, I see a close game. I see 22-17 to 17 Philadelphia. I know um, that uh, I mentioned that I thought Washington could score again on Philadelphia. I don't know if they will or not. Second time around division opponents, a lot of familiarity, uh, a high-scoring game the first time. I like 22-17 to 17 Philadelphia. Windonation.com, 86690Nation. Mention my name. You get a free estimate. Plus, right now, buy two, get two free with no limit, with no money down, no payments, and no interest until the year 2025. You're dealing with the best window company in America. They've installed over 2 million windows. 96% of them have required no follow-up service. Call them at 86690Nation. Go to windownation.com. Pay half price on the windows because you're getting two free for every two you buy, and you won't have to pay anything until the year 2025 with no money down, no payments, and no interest for two full years. 86690Nation, windownation.com. Mention my name, my name, Kevin Sheehan, and they'll take good care of you. Jay Gruden next after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic 
Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Jay Gruden coming up in this segment. Before we get to Jay, this segment is brought to you by Surfside and Surfside's Fajita Box. Good news, friends. Your favorite spot for tacos in the district is making it easier than ever to feed your family fast. Lots of family time coming up this season, and Surfside's Fajita Boxes are here to make your dinners easy. On the go or on your way home, they are the best way to feed your crew with a meal everyone will love. Fajita chicken, steak, veggies, and all the fixings in a convenient grab-and-go box. Thinking ahead? Hop online to order a fajita box in advance. On the fly, fajita boxes can be ready in minutes flat and delivered straight to your door. Learn more at surfsidedc.com. Their fajitas are great. Jay Gruden's jumping on with us as he does every Friday during football season. And I'm going to start with an email that I got from Art. Art wanted me to ask you what your early hunch is on Sam Howell. Does Jay have an early hunch on whether or not Sam Howell will ultimately be a legitimate NFL starting quarterback? So let's start there. What do you say to Art? My gut says he's got the tools, right? He's athletic. He's got the arm. But I I, I just don't know if he's that guy. You know what I mean? I, I think that there's the problem is there's only about 10 to 12 of them in the world right now. <laughs> For him to be in the top 10 or 12 that can win you championships, I don't think he's that guy right now. No. All right, well, then I'll add to it. What do you think his best case is? Is it what we saw on Sunday with the Giants at Tyrod Taylor? Is it your guy, Colt McCoy? Is it a little bit more than that? Is it a little bit less than that? I mean, you've already said he's not you know, one of those guys which I think we all kind of understand anyway going in. But is he, you know, what is he long-term? I think he's a guy like, uh, I put him in the Gardner Minshew category. He's a guy that has some exciting moments, but over the course of 17 games, I don't think he can get you to the promised land. But he's a heck of a, a, heck of a player, heck of a fun guy to root for and pull for. You know, does that make sense? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's why I brought up Colt McCoy, because he was near and dear to your heart. Uh, isn't Colt McCoy in the same category of Gardner Minshew? Or did you think he was a category above that? I think Colt was a category untapped because of all his injuries. You know, I think that uh, a healthy Colt McCoy could have been, in my mind, maybe not anybody else's mind, could have been a lot better, personally, because he had great anticipation, great accuracy. He was a tough guy. He was a great leader. Um, I don't know all the things about Sam Howell that I know about Colt McCoy, but I know that he had the intangibles needed to be a successful quarterback. He just had too many injuries that hindered his progress. 
All right, let's go back to the Giant game for a moment. Um, you know, it was your lock of the week. It it's it stopped a three the three week run <laughs> of winners. Um, you know, it's pretty hard to go four straight weeks with your lock of the week hitting, and and that was. Um, that was not a winner, but uh, everybody appreciates the three winners that came before that. So there's been a lot of talk, Jay. We've talked about it here, about the sack issue and who's at fault. And I thought, and I want to hear your answer. I don't want to give you my answer without just asking the question and getting out of the way, but I want to make sure that the offensive coordinator and that the coaching staff is a possibility in your answer, you know, rather than, you know, was it the offensive line or was it Sam as it relates to the pressure in the sacks? Because last week, I think anytime you have 46 yards on 26 plays and seven punts in a half and your quarterback gets sacked five times in the same half, I personally thought a lot of it fell into the lap of Eric Bieniemy. What did you think? After further review, I've had time to watch the tape and look at this. I, I agree with you. Uh, you have to, you have to protect Sam Hell. I mean, you have to have protection schemes that help him. The forty sacks in seven games is inexcusable, and then to not have any kind of plan for the looks that the Giants gave you to have free runners often and over and over again is inexcusable. I mean, there are protections that you can use that will guarantee his protection, get the ball out. He may not have the greatest pass routes against a seven-man drop zone, what have you, but you can find places to throw the ball. But you have to protect the quarterback. And it was it was a debacle as far as pass protection is concerned. And um, I don't know if it's a line coach. I don't know if it's a quarterback and center communication, but it was uh, not good. And and it hasn't been good for seven games to be sacked 40 times. It's, it's, he's on pace to be sacked 100 times. It's, it's incredible. As a longtime coach, as a longtime offensive coach, uh, and you've already said that, you know, as an offensive coordinator, you can't allow this to continue to happen. But when you're watching this game on Sunday, and then you said you watched it again upon further review, what were you seeing specifically as to why it was happening, why the pressures were happening, why the sacks were happening, happening. Where was the the lack of understanding or execution? Well, they couldn't pick up any stunts, and they had too many free runners. So the center, I don't know what what they're doing and what they're how they're communicating, but you can't let guys come up the a gap. You can't let corners or safeties or nickels or linebackers rush off the edge unblocked. Um, so yeah, it, it's pass protection is a very intricate thing. There, there's five man protections, or six man, or seven man. They had a seven man protection one time. They had a free runner off the edge, which I've never seen in my life. Um, so there's, there's yeah. issues going on there as far as communication scheme, whatever it was. It might be Sam Howell not redirecting the point. It might be the center, it might be the tackle. I don't know, but I, I know that. They have serious issues schematically going on there with pass protection. Explain what Sam Howell's – let's just say that Sam Howell had some responsibility. Let me let me back up. The center or the quarterback, how does it typically work in terms of adjusting your protection scheme at the line of scrimmage? Well, you start out with the base protection, whether it's a six-man six man protection, the center's going one way, the back's protecting the other way. 
and then the back's responsible for four strong or four weak going whichever way. If there's an issue, the quarterback always has a chance to trump the center and say, no, we're not going right, we're going to go left. Okay, that's fine. Let's say we go left with a slide and the people come right. The quarterback needs to know that. He needs to know he's got to get the ball out of his hands quicker. And for whatever reason, Sam doesn't understand that there's a free runner somewhere. Maybe he thinks he's being protected, the tackle's not kicking out. Uh, whatever it is, Sam has to understand where the free runner is. If he sends the center one way, he has to understand that there could be a free runner coming the other way. Right now, I don't think there's a understanding that's where the free runners are coming from. And sometimes he is protected, but there's still a free runner because they can't pick up a stunt. So there, there's issues that are just, uh, they've got to fix them quickly because Philadelphia is coming to town and they have a lot of good stunts. I mean, their linebacker last time they played, so they had three sacks. That gives you an indication the center is going the wrong way or the back can't pick up the blitz, one or the other. So what does Eric Bieniemy do to minimize these issues? Well, there's a lot of things. There's There are some protections that the quarterback should be safe on at all costs. So you have to change your protections. You can go on quick counts. You can get the ball out quicker, quick quick game, screens. Uh, obviously, running the ball helps a lot. Put Sam in harm's way 30 to 40 times a game where it's a five-man or six-man protection and they're not protected is, is unheard of. I mean, you have to protect it. You look at the guy for uh, Tyson Badgett for the Bears played last week. He's played Division Two football and is the first start of his career. I think he got sacked one time. So there are things you can do with the bootlegs, the max protection, the slides, um, the screens that can protect your quarterback. They just haven't done it. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually looked at that because the kid played at Shepherd College up in um, Shepherdstown, West Virginia, where we actually have um, listeners because uh, it's considered, you know, just outside the DMV. And I've, we've heard about this kid for a while. So I, I, I looked at the, the at least the, the, the box score of that game. They did rush the ball for 173 yards. So that, that helps. I mean, there's that old adage, and you already mentioned it, that a running game is a young quarterback's best friend. Washington doesn't seem interested in running the football at all. Why do you think that is? Well, I personally believe it's because the lack of tight end blocking ability. <laughs> Logan Thomas is a wide receiver. He's not a tight end. He can't play in-line tight end and block. So if you want to have a tight end cut off the backside or tight end to power two-step and run you know, duo plays at the tight end, it's not possible. They have to get a tight end there that can block a seven technique or a six technique, whatever is defensive end, or cut off the backside. They don't have that right now with Logan Thomas. So Logan Thomas has to be spread out. If he's spread out, that means you have basically five guys blocking. You have to do more zone reads, more RPOs, which is not Brian Robinson's forte. Brian is more of a downhill power type runner, and they don't have the personnel to block that. I'm surprised they haven't addressed that with a different tight end that can actually block a defensive end. Well, they do have that guy Bates on the roster. He has appeared to be much more of a blocker than Logan Thomas in the past. Yeah, then yeah, you put him in there, then you'll probably get more, you know, an extra guy in a box because they know he's not much of a pass threat. So it's a very tough position to fill. There's not many of them. That's why Travis Kelsey's so good, George Kittle's so good, because they could do both. They're a threat in a passing game, and they're obviously they can 
hold their own in the running game. And uh, those guys are few and far between. Um, you didn't have a blocker. You had a receiver in Jordan Reed. Did that complicate matters for your run game? Because you guys never were much of – I mean, you, you tried it, but you didn't have a, a top-tier rushing attack to go with the pass yeah. attack that you had. Was that because of Jordan? It definitely – yeah. Yeah, it definitely did. Jordan was not the greatest blocker in the world, but he was athletic enough where he could get up on linebackers for the outside zones where he could, you know, chip the defensive end and get up to the linebackers. He was actually athletic enough to do that. Some of the inserts where he was inserting in on linebackers, he was athletic. He wouldn't stick on very long, but he could get up there and get away and, and do some things in the running game a little bit more than, than Logan can. Um, so, yeah, but, but his his passing threat was way, way more uh, effective than than the tight ends they have there at Washington. By the way, speaking of Jordan Reed, um, two days ago was the anniversary of the You Like That Game, um, the eight-year oh, wow. anniversary. It was October 25th, 2015. Uh, you're two and four, and I'm, I'm assuming, because I think you've told me before, you're feeling it a little bit heading into the game against Tampa, and you guys are down 24 to nothing. Just quickly, what are your memories of that game? Yes, that was a that was a tough game to start. We um, had a tough start to the season, and things weren't looking good for the future of my coaching career <laughs> <laughs> as far as being head coach for the Washington Redskins. And I, I we just hired Scott McLuhan, and uh, somebody told me from the media that uh, they hired Scott McLuhan to fire me after the Buccaneer game if we lost. And it was twenty-four to nothing, and. Thankfully, we got an onside kick. I did a surprise onside kick to start the second half, and Kirk made some incredible throws. Jordan, Mead made, Jordan Reed made some plays, and we came back and won the game, and I kept my job and we went to the playoffs. Do you think you were going to get – I mean, it was entering a bye week, if my memory serves me correctly. Um, were you going to get fired if you lost that game? I don't know for sure, but somebody – uh, told me in the media that it was very close to Scott McLuhan that that was the rumor and that was uh, going to happen if it was a loss. Um, who would who would they have named coach? Who was on your staff at that point that would have been a head coach? Was I that... have no idea. Probably Callahan. I guess was he still was he there yet? Was he there? He wasn't there no, yet. No, not in twenty fifteen. Yeah, he was there. In twenty fifteen, he was he there. there. Um, I forget. I don't actually know. No. I can't remember. What's the game plan against Philadelphia offensively? Well, obviously the easy answer is, hey, just run the ball. But obviously with the issues they have at tight end, it's going to be difficult to run the ball just effectively. But they have to have some form of running game to um, take a little pressure off Sam. He can't just drop back and throw it all the time. The runs, some of the bootlegs would be great. If they can run the ball, then you got the bootlegs off of it. Like max play passes where he should be protected. It's three level throws. Uh, so, yeah, I, I say that just – you know, they have to be diverse in what they do, but they can't put too much pressure on Sam to drop back and throw it 50 times. The ideal game plan would be Sam throwing it 25 to 30 times, uh, having 25 to 30 rushes, eating up some clock, keeping Jalen Hurts off the field and controlling the ball and, and uh, obviously scoring, but making some plays easier for Sam where he's not dropping back and trying to read defenses and change protections and all that stuff. Let's give him some simple throws and screens to the receivers some bootlegs, things of that nature, run the ball, and uh, hopefully eat up some time. 
Philadelphia, the number one rush defense in the NFL with those big dudes um, up front. They're allowing just 62.9 yards per game on the ground against them. It's not the team. Actually, Washington in the first game against Philadelphia, even though they didn't run it successfully, um, they ended up with Sam's, you know, take out Sam's scramble yardage. They still ended up with about 70-something yards uh, rushing, which um, – uh, is is more than the average uh, against Philadelphia. What I, I'd be happy with that number. I'd be that'd be a good number to get. Yeah, um, they attacked him through the air pretty effectively. That was Sam's best game considering the opponent. The first one he threw for two ninety, um, had a really high QBR um, number. I thought that one of the reasons for that was that Philadelphia's secondary is big in name recognition but maybe the weakness of that defense what do you think uh, I, I wouldn't say i think they have some injuries but darius Slay's a pretty good player and uh, um I, I don't know if maddox is playing the nickel um but he's pretty good so i i wouldn't say it's their weakness i think um a lot of times if you're philadelphia and you're playing against a guy like sam howell you'll probably bring a safety down which means it'll be more single high so the state the corners will be more vulnerable and if the strength of Washington is the receiving core, then that could be a good thing for them. They should be able to get some plays down the field, hopefully. But you got to protect. I mean, and the good thing about Philadelphia's defense, or bad thing for Washington, is they'll be able to get pressure with just four. They don't have to do all the crazy blitzes that uh, Wink Martindale did with with the New York Giants. So it'll be an interesting deal. Um, they're going to have to drop back and throw it eventually, obviously. But I just would like to see more like bootlegs, get Sam outside the pocket, more of the quarterback design rollouts, I guess, try to get him outside the pocket so he can see down the field and, and deliver the ball without getting hit in the face. Defensively, what do you do against Philadelphia? Well, defensively, this should be a pretty good matchup. I, I just I just feel like the defense has underachieved the entire year. You know, with the four first-rounders on the front, you know, they had a linebacker that was drafted in the first round, Jamin Davis. They have, you know, Kendall Fuller, who was a third-round pick, and a first-round corner who's not even playing. I, I don't understand why they're struggling so much on defense. This is a unit that has to get the ball for the offense in good field position, turn over, turn the ball over, um, and help Sam Howell out and get more stops and get more opportunities for the offense, and it's just not happening for whatever reason. But they obviously have to defend A.J. Brown better than they did the first time. I mean, to have A.J. Brown have 150-plus yards, and I mean – AJ Brown's over here. Let's make sure we cover him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he. I mean, people have been talking about him as a, a potential MVP candidate this year. I mean, he's, he's having that kind of a season uh, right now. I mean, I personally, I would still. Well, where do you put AJ Brown on the list of receivers right now in the game? Oh, he's got to be top five, right? I mean, yeah, Tyreek Hill. All those guys up there, Justin Jefferson, even though he's hurt, uh, Cooper Cup, A.J. Brown, those guys are all in the same conversation. Is there anybody in the league that puts more fear into a defensive coordinator than Tariq Hill? No, no. Nobody can run like that. This guy is a freak. He's a 4-2 flat 40, and they use him in good motions in situations where you can't get your hands on him. It'd be one thing if he lined up in the same spot on the ball. You could jam him and have a safety over the top and run underneath. And You know, the guy for New England did a good job on him, the rookie, uh, but he had, you know, help over the top, and he was 
playing, under, undercutting a lot of stuff, and he did some good things against them. But when he goes to the motion, if you're playing any kind of single high and he's he gets a corner on an island, it's a, it's basically a wrap. You have to have somebody underneath them and a hook player. You have to have a safety over the top. It's, it's a, you can take him away, but you're going to give up a lot of areas of the field because of that to Waddle and their tight end and their back, Mozart, who's a heck of back as well. Uh, as of this moment, Philadelphia is a seven-point favorite. What's your prediction on the game Sunday? Well, Washington and Philly, it's a great robbery game, and Washington typically plays Philly pretty good. I mean, last year, Philly was undefeated, and Washington went there and beat them, and, and, and this year they already played a three-point game. So I'm taking – I would take the points if I was playing the game just because it's a division matchup, I think. A lot of times when you have a bad game, Jonathan Allen came out and went crazy on the, on the mic and um, – Coaches are getting hammered and players are getting belittled. Uh, Redskins or the commanders should have a lot of pride, and I think they're going to come out fighting this week. And I really think they'll play it close and maybe even come out with a victory. Who knows? We like to say that, you know, the familiarity between teams in the same division makes it uh, different than other games. Is that true? I think there is some truth to that. There's, you know, these guys. You watch. You already played them once, and you see the film, and you've seen what you did against them last time. You, you know the personnel very well. You know the coaching on the other side very well. So familiarity does help a little bit. Now it comes time to uh, you got to you got to eliminate the turnovers and the negative plays on offense. The negative plays on offense are just they're ridiculous. They got to stop. You got to stop the sacks, and obviously, and and moving the ball 10, 20 yards and punting is not the end of the world. Let your defense make some plays. Um, but, yeah, familiarity does help, and it should make it a close game. That's been a theme of yours here for a few weeks. Punting's not a terrible thing. I guess it's better it's than bad. turning the ball it's over. But you're an offensive guy. You hated to punt. If you have a – like, there was different philosophies that I've had as a coach. And When I was at Washington, our defense very good wasn't very good. You had to be a little bit more aggressive, obviously. When I was at Cincinnati, we had a really good defense with Mike Zimmer. And Andy Dalton was a rookie quarterback, and you know I did my best to protect them. And, and hell, just punt the ball. Sometimes on third and twelve, run a screen or a draw, and maybe it pops. And if it doesn't, let's just punt it. But I'm not going to put Andy in, you know, five man protection and get him hit in the face and turn over another negative play and then punt and let the team get the ball to fifty yard line. You know, it's insanity. Sometimes you have to understand your defense, the situation, your offense the limitations that you have, and, and sometimes you accept the fact that maybe punting is a good option. It's a good option. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I think the teams that you had in 2015-16, in every time you sent a punter out there, I thought it was a lost chance because I felt like defensively they were going to give up points. Like you almost had to yeah. score on more than half of your possessions to have a chance in some of those games. Um, all right, let's look at the rest of the league real quickly. Uh, first of all, last night, Buffalo got the win. I mean, that there, there was a Hail Mary there on the final play of the game that just hit the turf like nobody even touched the ball. It almost looked catchable for Godwin in the end zone for what would have been a stunner. Um, what, what do you think are the issues with Buffalo right now? I mean, I thought they looked like a Super Bowl contender a few weeks ago. Yeah, I think, well, defensively, they've lost, you know, kind of similar to when I was at Washington. You lose your quarterback, your tight end, your left tackle, your running back. I mean, they've lost their two defensive linemen, a middle linebacker, and their best corner. I mean, it's, they're a little bit depleted on defense, and they're doing a heck of a job 
uh, still competing and doing a good job on defense to stay alive. And then offensively, this another team is probably underachieving, underachieving a little bit. Josh and they just don't have much of a running game. And you know, I don't know if it's uh, the offensive line or whatever, uh, but they're they're leaving too much on Josh Allen and, and uh, you know just not working out. There's just too many issues with them being consistent on offense, and I don't know what it is. Josh is not the most accurate quarterback. He's obviously a hell of a quarterback, probably top five quarterback in the league. But accuracy-wise, he misses some throws and uh, kills some drives with turnovers and uh, or, tur- or uh, sacks or uh, penalties or what have you, and, and it's just not flowing right now. But they're a team that obviously can catch fire at any time and can string wins back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back because they have the talent on offense to do that. Just right now, it's not looking great, but they're still in position to win the AFC East. He he just, every time I watch him, like I love Josh Allen, I love watching him, but he's he seems to me to be like one of those guys you almost have to get him involved physically in the run game where he takes a couple of shots and then all of a sudden he's Josh Allen. Uh, like running for him is a must for him to be at his best. I don't know if you feel that way or not watching him. Oh, for sure. That's what he is. He's a he is a big physical dude and he likes contact. He's he likes yeah. to mix it up and and I was kind of the you know, back when I played when I was a long time ago, I didn't feel like I was in the game until I got hit in the face. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just it's just something about getting hit and the physicality of the game that kinda gets your blood flowing. And that's the way Josh is. Josh I think uh thrives on that physicality and that competitive spirit of of getting hit and being physical. Yeah. Um, all right. The rest of the I'm card. I'm comparing myself to Josh Allen, by the way. No. Let's, let's make that clear. I, I think everybody understood that. Um, although okay, you had good. one hell of a career uh, in, in, in that league, whatever it was called, the Arena League, right? It was the Arena League? Yeah. 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 You were pretty damn yeah, good. I'm in the Hall of Fame. I, I'm in the Hall of Fame, yeah, Kevin. Don't forget I, that. I, I don't know where that Hall of Fame <laughs> is, but it's somewhere. Well, you're in the Louisville Hall of Fame as well, aren't you? No, I didn't make that one. <laughs> you didn't, didn't make, make that one? Cut. But no, no. you had a good, you had a very good college career at Louisville. I had a great college career. I'm I'm very upset that I'm not in that Louisville Hall of Fame. That bothers me. What? That's okay. Were you guys an independent when you played at Louisville? Yeah, we were. Yeah. Um. Like, who, I, I, who was your? Did you guys play games during the the season that were rivalry games or not? Like, I, you know, the Louisville. We really didn't have. A, I think Cincinnati and Southern Miss were our main rivalries when I played. Right. We never got a chance to play Kentucky, um, but yeah, those were our two main rivalries, I guess. Yeah, uh, played against Brett Favre. You were really when you were at Louisville, you were at a basketball first school. Basketball mattered 100%. a lot more than football. Yes, a hundred percent. Nobody gave a damn about the football players. It was all about <laughs> basketball. Never nervous, Purvis, Elton yeah. Spencer, and Kenny Payne. All those guys, yeah. They were they were big time on campus. We were just we were just like normal students. Well, they won it in '86. They beat Duke in the final with Purvis Ellison as a freshman. You were there, right? Were you there then? Yeah, that was my that was my first year. Yep, that was your first year. Um, and had one of the all time great coaches in Denny Crum, one of the greatest college basketball coaches of all time. You know what tree he's off of, don't you, or not? No, he coached for John Wooden at UCLA. He was, oh, that's right. I knew that. He yeah. was his assistant uh, before uh, building what he built at Louisville. Um, part of the Metro Con- uh, It was the Metro League back then. 
It was Louisville and Memphis and Florida State before they went into the ACC. Um, good days. All right. Uh, what about the rest of the NFL card real quickly? You know, I'm looking at the 49ers, Bengals. By the way, what did you think of Monday night uh, of the Minnesota win? I thought that was one of Kirk Cousins' best games he's ever played. I mean, he's lacking Justin Jefferson. I mean, he threw the ball accurately on time, getting hit. I mean, I, I, Kirk's a tough son of a gun. I mean, I just don't understand how he does it, stays healthy. He never misses a game. He gets hit a lot, and he still throws the ball accurately and on time. And he, I mean, all the Kirk Cousins haters, I, I just don't understand why. I know the primetime stuff and the playoff stuff and all that stuff, but he is a one hell of a quarterback, and I'm, I've just been more and more impressed with Kirk the more I watch him. Um, but you knew it coaching him, right? Yeah, but the the, the durability that he has, you never know that. And right. I, I don't know if that's luck. I don't know how he – I don't know if it's his Pilates that he does. I don't know how he stays healthy all the time. I mean, there's a lot of – core. I mean, Brock Purdy, you know, is already concussion protocol and he missed – I mean, these quarterbacks, I don't know how they stay healthy and some of them get hurt. It's just luck of the draw, luck of the way you land. I don't know how it is, but – He's been hit a lot, and he's stayed healthy. He's been durable. He's been available. Uh, but we knew about his accuracy and his anticipation, but you never know about somebody's durability and how they handle sure. pass rush and get hit. Is beyond the durability, um, is his, is the secret sauce for him his anticipation, his processing? His Yeah, his, his uh, diligence uh, studying the game plan and Understanding where people are, his, his accuracy is really uncanny. He's he's got Drew Brees accuracy. Uh, he he can throw the ball where he wants it, when he wants it, how he wants it, with touch, with uh, pace, however he wants to throw it, he can do it. Now the issue is obviously he doesn't have the ability to make things happen when they aren't there. His uh, off script plays they they don't come naturally to him. But as far as if you if you call a play and it's open. You better believe that the ball will be there, be on time, and be accurate. Forty. I mean, when have you ever seen a Kirk Cousins pass like inaccurate? No. I, look, I, look I, I think I've told you this before. Too much Kirk Cousins talk really upsets a lot of the listeners. I've had to refer to him. Actually, my good buddy Al Galdi refers to him as you know who because just the mention of his name <laughs> is so polarizing to our fan base. But I, I think you know I've been I've been such a big fan of his forever. Um, and I thought, see, I think Monday night was a big, if they had lost the game, people still would have figured out a way to blame him. If the 49ers had scored on the last possession, for whatever reason, they would have said, see, the dude can't win on Monday night or can't win in prime time. And he played brilliantly. I mean, how many, remember the Kansas city game on Monday night played brilliantly you just were up against a really good team and lost on a walk-off field goal. There were a bunch of those. But don't get me started on, on defending Kirk because it really irritates people. You coached him. You know. Um, you and Mike have both you know, told uh, a lot of us over the years um, what made him uh, special. And he's still out there doing it. I, I, I got into that really not intentionally to ask you about Kirk was to say the 49ers all of a sudden have lost two games in a row. They may not have uh, Purdy on Sunday against the Bengals. They'll have Sam Darnold potentially in that game. The league is crazy. It's so week to week. Two weeks ago we thought easily they're the best team in the league. Now they've lost two and – 
you know, there's a prospect of them losing three in a row. How do you see that game? And 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 the 49ers right now overall. Yeah, there's that, that, that 49er uh, Bengal game is weird because you think of the Bengals, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, T. Higgins is and Joe Mixon is a great offense. Their offense isn't very good, and I can't put my finger on it why. I think it might be Joe's injury. I don't know if it's a scheme, play call, and whatever. But I think they're like 29th or 30th in the league on offense with that skill. I, I just can't figure that one out. So I think 49ers um, defensively will do their thing, and I think it'll be a low-scoring game, and 49ers will win. Um, trying- Even with Sam Darnold. I think Sam Darnold's got a chance to you know, succeed. I think he'll be able to do more things with his legs. I think Kyle will probably put in some uh, zone read type things where, where uh, Sam can run a little bit, which will help. And I don't know if Trent's playing or not, but hopefully Trent plays and, and they'll be able to run the ball effectively. In that 2018 draft, you know, we've talked about the 2018 season because you didn't look at it that much because you, you traded for Alex Smith. But what, I don't know if, that, if I've ever asked you about Sam Darnold. What did you think of Darnold? What do you think of Darnold? Well, obviously Sam talented and he has all the arm traits that you need for a quarterback and he's athletic. So, yeah, he was uh, probably the top quarterback in that draft, I thought. And, um, you know, for whatever reason, he has not, you know, had the success that a lot of people thought he might have. And But he's still a young player, and he still has the ability to have success with maybe a little better supporting cast around him and a better coaching staff. So time will tell. I mean, but early on, um, he have, uh, obviously hasn't panned out the way a lot of people thought he would, including myself. All right, two more. Who's the best team in football right now? Best team in football is Kansas City. I don't think it's close, really. Uh, when you talk about their defense being a top five defense, that's really where it should end because they obviously have the best quarterback in uh, football I've seen in a long time. And I'd say Kansas City. And then right after that, I'd probably go Baltimore, then Philly, then San Fran. Lock of the week this week is what? Lock of the week this week, Kevin would be Detroit Lions. You haven't looked. Off that. Did you just wing it? You didn't have it ready to go, no, did you? No, no, no. I thought about it. I thought about it. I think Detroit. They ran into a buzzsaw against Baltimore. I mean, Baltimore scored on the first possession. Uh, Detroit goes three and out. Baltimore scores again. Detroit goes three and out. Baltimore scores again, and, and, and that was kind of a that was a crazy game. I, I just think Detroit bounces back in a big way, and. Um, at home on a primetime game, they're going to play well. You love your favorites. Uh, Detroit laying seven and a half Monday night football. That line's moved a little bit. It opened at like eight, eight and a half, um, right around there. It's down well, to seven and I mean, a half. It, it, if you watched the game, the Bears and the Raiders game last week, you would say that uh, just take whoever the Raiders play. That's basically what I did. I know, the Raiders, but but you should know now. You should know now that because the Raiders look so awful, everybody assumes that the Lions are going to kill them. So, I I, I, I may be on the... that, but you got to understand. There's there's some, <laughs> sometimes when you lose a game, it, it's it never is it okay to lose a game. But when you lose a game because of effort and poor tackling and guys just. You can just see the demeanor of players walking off the field to the sideline. They just, I don't think they get that back in a week. Now, if you play your ass off and you lose a close game, then obviously you can come back the next week because you have the effort there. I just don't think the Raiders are playing with any effort. 
All right. If you are only firing in on Jay's lock of the week, you got to wait until Monday night. He's giving out the Lions minus the seven and a half at home against the Raiders. God, it seems like it's been forever since we've seen the Lions on I mean, Monday night. That place night is going to be rocking in Detroit. Oh, it was will last be. time they had a Monday night game. I, I don't know. I was the, I was just thinking about that. I it, I don't. I think it's been a long time. I'm sure that information's out there. I just didn't look it up. Um, but they will have a great home crowd. Washington on Sunday, you like them plus the points. You give them a chance to win a, a close give them a game. Chance. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not happy. You know, I don't like that pick. I wouldn't uh, go crazy with it. I just think this game between these two teams is always pretty close. NFC East, um, Philadelphia's Jalen's a little bit banged up. And, you know, they come in with a little bit cocky attitude thinking they're just to blow them out and I think it'll be I think Washington should come out and play with a lot of pride play some passion play some physicality <laughs> keep it closer even win the game how was it how was it coaching a game at home that felt like a road game because that's what Sunday will feel like yeah we actually had to go silent count one time at home we played Minnesota all those school guys yelling <laughs> we actually had to go silent count at home which is unheard of yeah, it's, it's not fun, and um, yeah, didn't like it. Um, that that surprises me that it was that game, uh, which was a, a great game, if I recall, a real shootout game, um, but I just would have thought it would have been against the Cowboys or the Eagles. Cowboys were, yeah, but, but they're all, they were all pretty much like that. And I mean, they, both of those teams travel well. I mean, so you, yeah. wherever they play, they're going to have a, their presence known. And we actually, you know, we had some road games where I felt our presence yes. uh, known as well. Right. It's weird that way. Um, it's been that way. It's almost as if during those latter Snyder years, there were more fans that lived outside the area than inside the area um, because th- we had better crowds on the road than we did sometimes at home. Uh, all right. Uh, I think part of it is that stadium. I-, I think we have plenty of fans that would come to games. I just think that stadium is such a pain in the ass but you know, they'd they'd rather sell their tickets sometimes than go. Nothing worse than a weekday night game at FedEx Field to deal with that traffic. There is nothing worse. Well, there are things worse, but that's in the top five. Um, I mean, as far as, yeah. I mean, (laughs) the preseason games used to kill me because they were all night games during the week. and They used to take like two days off my life because, you know, you get home at like 2 o'clock in the morning, you have to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning. I mean, that was... I hated that. Oh, yeah. Um, all right. Uh, enjoy the football this weekend. I'll talk to you next week. You got it. Thanks, Kevin. Jay Gruden, everybody, with me every Friday. Smell test next to finish up the show right after these words from a few of our sponsors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Smell test brought to you by, as always, MyBookie. Go to MyBookie.ag, use my promo code KevinDC, and they're continuing the offer, and it's only through Sunday now. I think this is it. This is your chance to cash in on a 110% cash bonus on your initial deposit. You have to use my promo code, KevinDC. This is not being offered by MyBookie to anybody else other than my audience right now. MyBookie.ag, KevinDC is the promo code. They'll more than double your money, $50 minimum, $1,000 maximum on the initial deposit. So if you deposit $1,000, you will end up with an additional $1,100, making your total in your account $2,100 to gamble with. Nobody offers this kind of cash bonus upon your initial deposit. So whether you have a place that you're betting on sports or not, go to my bookie, take the free money, and understand you are wagering with a place that does it right. Fair point spreads, fair money lines, fair totals. Uh, and the fairest pricing that you're going to find out there. And when I say pricing, I'm, I'm talking about what you get charged on a loss. If you're paying minus 120, minus 130 in some places, you're paying minus 135 on a straight bet, you're getting ripped off. That doesn't happen at MyBookie. Go there now, mybookie.ag, promo code KevinDC. Take this incredible 110% cash bonus on your initial deposit and run with it, please. Last chance to do it. It's available through Sunday. 10-1-1 and one on Saturday, Sunday, and Monday last week. A big weekend for me. 10-2-1 overall because I had the Thursday night college game with Marshall last week. Uh, still, that was a big week. Uh, puts me two games over 500 for the year. It followed a brutally awful week. But last weekend was a huge week for the sports books, uh, especially when you consider that some of the big underdogs like New England won outright. Um, that kills those bettors that love to put big favorites into money line parlays, into three-team teasers where, where all they have to do is win the game. Um, but this week, I don't love the card, to be honest with you. There's not a lot of games that really stuck out. I've been saying all week that I thought I would have Washington in the smell test. I actually don't. There's some sharp money now on Philadelphia that's moved the number to seven. We'll see what happens between now and Sunday, but I've taken the skins out of the smell test. Uh, I thought I was going to have the Packers in the smell test, but there's sharp money on the Vikings this week. That line opened at plus one, and Minnesota's now minus one and a half, even though it seems like the obvious letdown spot after their win on Monday night. College-wise, I'm going to give you two big favorites starting tomorrow. 
Uh, Kansas State's a 17-point favorite over Houston. Houston just nearly knocked off Texas. I know Quinn Ewers got hurt in the game, but they lost by seven. It was tied late. Uh, They had beaten West Virginia the week before. I had them that week in the smell test. It was a Thursday night game, and they won on a Hail Mary. But the public likes Houston getting all those points in the Little Apple, Manhattan, uh, Manhattan, Kansas. Uh, Give me K-State laying the 17. The Canes at the University of Miami are laying 18 to Virginia, who just knocked off North Carolina. So the public loves recent impressions. So they're like, why is Virginia, who just beat a top 10 team, an 18-point underdog? I'll take Miami and lay the 18. I hate this next one, um, and it really actually is painful because I almost gave out Illinois against Maryland two weeks ago, and I said that this was a big beware game. Like, I thought it was, and it felt like coming off that Ohio State game, like a, a letdown, and the Terps lost outright to the Illini. They're laying 13 and a half against Northwestern. That number, just for all of you out there, when you see two and a halves and six and a halves and 13 and a halves on key numbers like three, seven, and 14, they're kind of begging you to bet the favorite. It's like, hey, all they got to, if they win by 14 or more, you win. So they leave the number there at 13 and a half, just just incent- incentivizing more action on the favorite. And that's what you've seen this week. Maryland's a big public favorite uh, this week. I'll take Northwestern by the half point and uh, take them at plus 14. Uh, Sunday, the Cowboys are at six and a half, and the public's pounding Dallas minus six and a half. I'll take the Rams by the half point plus seven. Um, the Broncos are not at six and a half. They're actually getting seven and a half against Kansas City at home. Public, big public play on the Chiefs. That line at one point was eight. It's down to seven and a half. I gave the Broncos out just two two weeks ago against the Chiefs on Thursday night football, getting ten and a half, and they lost by eleven. I'm going to try the Broncos against the Chiefs one more time. Denver's played better recently, uh, but nobody will have Denver on Sunday. Uh, I'll take the Broncos plus the seven, seven and a half. And then Monday night, I like the Raiders. That number's down from eight, eight and a half to seven and a half. They're sharp money. I think it's partly because Garoppolo is expected to pay, play. I may change this on Monday, so don't play it yet. Wait. But for now, the Raiders are in the smell test Monday night at Detroit plus seven and a half. We'll see what happens. Like if Garoppolo is out and that line jumps to 10, I may get off of it. Um, if it stays at seven and a half, eight, somewhere around there, and Garoppolo's playing, I'll probably keep it. Now, if Garoppolo doesn't play and the line stays at seven and a half or goes to seven, well, then I'll probably stay on the Raiders. None of that makes sense to some of you. It does make sense to a few of you. Uh, recapping, K-State minus 17, Miami minus 18, and Northwestern plus 14 tomorrow. The Rams plus seven and the Broncos plus seven and a half on Sunday and the Raiders plus seven and a half on Monday night football. Uh, We will be back before that Monday night football game back here on Monday to recap Washington and the Eagles. I think it'll be a close game. I'm expecting that. Have a good weekend. The headlines remind us daily. The world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. 
Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com. 